if you've got a Bible um, and you want to open it up to John chapter 4, um, we're looking at um, the woman at the well, it's called, uh, it's Jesus encounters a Samaritan woman at the well. Awesome, thank you. Are you ready for an evening of challenge? Yes. Good? <laughs> so that's three of you. Are the other 47 of you ready for an evening of challenge? So I've got about 10 or so challenges coming up. They're going to come thick and fast. So uh, lodge the challenge up there. Maybe the spirit will convict you. You know, you've got to do something about it. There are sheets of paper still around if you need to write it down or put it in your phone to do something. Because there really isn't any point gathering here tonight and sitting through about 20 to 25 minutes of me speaking if you're not actually going to do something with the information that I give you, with the word that I speak over you. It has to make a difference in your life. Otherwise, there are many better things you could be doing on a Sunday evening. Okay, so... Uh, I am absolutely loving life here at St. Saviour's. Can anyone tell? And my wife says sometimes my enthusiasm, I'm a little bit uh, horizontal. That's right, isn't it? Horizontal. Yeah, because I'm quite relaxed and quite laid back. And she says sometimes you have to let your face show that you're actually enjoying what somebody is telling you. So forgive me if you're one of those people where you've told me something which is absolutely fantastic and I've just gone, that's good. That's really good. Inside, inside, I'm doing somersaults. I am absolutely loving it here. Just this morning, uh, we had somebody actually healed during our worship service this morning. That is incredible. Look, God healed someone of their physical pain this morning during our service. Fantastic. And at the end of the service, someone came up to me and said they wanted to get baptised. Two amazing things just in one service. I am loving life here. People are being healed. People want to get baptised. There are new people coming. Every one of our services has grown by 20 to 30% in, in the time that I've been here, which is quite incredible. There are people coming to faith. Our newcomers tea on Friday, there were 15, 16 people gathered in my front lounge who were new to church and they're absolutely loving life at St. Saviour's and they'd found something here that they hadn't found at other churches, which is amazing. We, are, uh, we had lunch here today. I know 60, 70 people stopped on just to eat together as a family, which is quite incredible, really. It's amazing. Uh, during the week, there's a, a midweek service called Oasis. There are more than 55 people turning up for a midweek service. Most churches in the UK on a Sunday don't make 55 people. There are 55 people coming midweek. It's quite incredible. And uh, last week we were in Bishop Wand, uh, the local secondary school, and uh, Claire and Josiah were, were basically manning a prayer space. And one of the kids, they wrote loads of amazing things down, and one of them said, this is the first time I have experienced God's presence. Isn't that just amazing? That is incredible. I'm loving life here because of what we're doing. And it's not us, it's you. Because of what you are doing. Because of the work that Jesus is doing through you. I'm absolutely loving life here. He is at work radically transforming people's lives in his love and in his power. So for this week, we're just having a look at a story. If you're here with us again in the, in the morning next week, we'll have a look at another story where Jesus transforms someone's life. For the evening, we're going to move straight into a new series next week. Um, and it's all about everyone. Because um, I want to be a church where everyone is giving, everyone is serving, everyone is praying and everyone is inviting. So next week it's everyone giving, so that's your cue not to turn up next week when Evan will be preaching. 
Uh, it is amazing stuff, amazing stuff. And I hope people know that uh, people in our community will know that we are here for them. More and more, they will know that we are here for them. And the building project that um, that you heard Steph saying, we were just trying to get some information from you about people that you might know. The building project is going to help us to connect even more with our community. It's going to take us even further into our community so we can serve people better. The building project is just a tiny little part of the overall mission of this church. Okay, I want you to know that. It's going to be a big building project, but it's only a small part of the mission of this church because uh, the way that we are doing things and the way that we're growing things here um, in... About four weeks, um, we're going to start a community detox program. So we're going to be helping people get to grips with why they find themselves addicted to certain problems. And Steph here is going to be leading that with Claire Hopkins. So in a few weeks' time, we're going to be starting up a community detox program, getting to grips with why people find themselves addicted. A few weeks ago, that man there started up a football fun academy in our community so that we can connect with young kids on a level that they're interested in. Got your FA badge today, right? FA qualified badge. Thank you, Stuart, for starting that up. Um, We've been having community lunches here on a Wednesday. So straight away after our service, um, our Oasis community community are invited to stay on, but also we invite people that we've met through our food bank or through debt management. And we've had anywhere between 40 and 90 people stop for lunch with us on a Wednesday to enjoy community so they don't feel lonely. They don't have to go back to their their own place on their own. Um, And to let you know, come this September, we'll be launching a youth church here at St. Saviour's. And I expect this place on a Friday night to be full of about 200 young people going for it for Jesus. So we're launching a youth church. So just to give you a little flavour of some of the stuff that this church is up to, because of what you guys put in. So I just want to thank you and honour you for what you do. And, uh, you know, everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome. I hope I've made that clear. Everyone is welcome. There is room for everyone in this church until we run out of chairs. And then we'll have to think again. But whoever comes... And this is what they found through the food bank, through the debt management, through the lunch, and what they find through the detox and through the church, is that everyone can be loved. Everyone will be met with dignity. People will be met with hope. They will be given fresh hope in their life. That's what ministry is all about. And we have to be doing that. It's all very well that we come here and we enjoy the presence of God. I hope that is what you are met with, and that's what a lot of people are, are saying to me. And I say, you know, what's it like coming to church? And they well, don't know, this, this place is just different. I don't know what it is. I'll say, that, that's the presence of God. It's supposed to be, he's supposed to be in every church, but sometimes not quite as present as he is here. People are being met with God's presence, and I hope that's the same for you uh, this evening and when you come. But we have to be out there because that's where Jesus is. Right now, he's in here. Challenge number one for you. Do you actually believe that Jesus is here? Yes. Okay. You don't all have to answer yes, but that's challenge number one. Do you believe that he's here? Because if you do, that should change your life straight away. Okay. And we're following Jesus where he's at work. 
So he's out there. He's at work in your heart right now, but he's also out there. There are some, I don't know how many it is, we, figures differ, but let's say there are 16,000 people for which I personally have the cure of souls. So when you're made a, a vicar in a particular way, the, the Church of England works, it works on a boundary system. So we have a parish boundary and everyone that lives within that parish boundary, um, I have uh, their spiritual well-being under my responsibility. So 16,000 people. There are roughly 300 adults in our church and another 100 kids and young people. That leaves quite a few thousand more people out there who need to know about God's love. And that's just in the boundary of Sunbury. So here we are. If you've got a Bible, please do open it up. We're in John chapter 4. If you've got one of the church Bibles, it's on page 1066. (laughs) You couldn't make that up, could you? Um, Jesus reaches out to this woman at the well and uh, he offers her new life, radical transformation. And it isn't not just an example. I don't want you to just think, oh, that's a nice story um, of this woman. And some of us will have more difficulty kind of connecting because it's a woman and only half of us in here tonight are women. But for you guys, I want you to be able to connect with her because she's not just an example. She is you and me. This woman is you and me. And it's the way that God approaches this woman is the same way that he approaches us. And it shows the depth that God has uh, for us. The depth of attention that God wants to pay us and he wants to pay you tonight. Okay, so does anyone feel like reading for me? Thank you, Stephen. Uh, John chapter 4 whole thing yeah yeah now jesus learned that the pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than john although in fact it was not jesus who baptized but his disciples so he left judea and went back once more to galilee now he had to go through samaria so he came to a town in samaria called sychar near the plot of ground jacob had given to his son joseph jacob's well was there and jesus tired as he was from his journey sat down by the well it was about noon When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't go thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me. 
A time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I the one speaking to you. I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have no food to eat. Oh no, he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have bought him food? My food, Jesus, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields, they are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labour. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. It's a new story now, is that enough? Yeah. Thank you, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Stephen. So it begins by saying that Jesus had to go through Samaria, so that's where Stephen picked up the reading. So most of the Jews wanted to go round Samaria because Samaria wasn't a very nice place. It was quite a horrible place. It was the sort of place that you would get beaten up um, if you were a Jew, mugged, etc. And now, uh, this morning, I said uh, Samaria, I could compare Samaria to um, Hounslow, but, but I'm aware that she, I, but Sheila comes from Hounslow. So, uh, this evening, I will use stains. All right. Okay. So, um, oh man. The two, the two races hated each other. The um, Samaritans were kind of a half-breed of Jews, and they'd made a copy of the temple. Um, they'd been kind of just shunned, basically, to avoid uh, persecution during the reign of King Seleucid Antiochus Epiphanes. Uh, they renounced any connection to the Jews, and so basically the Jewish race hated them. Um, and it was a bit of vice versa. Now, if the Rorks were in, and again this morning I talked about, I'm a QPR, I'm a big QPR fan. So the two races hated each other. So it's a bit like QPR and Chelsea or QPR and Fulham or Brentford or Tottenham or any other London club. But just to show you that I'm not just some um, football oik, I can also do rugby. So a bit like Quinns and London Irish, is that right? But I think we've only got the Welches, so we've... We've only got 
Yeah. So anyone like that. So um, Jesus, uh, uh, in spite of this, perhaps because of this, he had to go through. So here's challenge number two. Is there somewhere that you are having to go through at the moment instead of going around it? Maybe it's a situation. Perhaps God's got you going through something rather than uh, what you'd love to do, which is to go around it. Uh, I left. So I grew up in Southall, um, and I, <laughs> I lived in the same house. Uh, my mum my and dad moved just into Southall. I was born in Shepherdsbush. They, they moved just as I was being born. Lived in that same house for 21 years, and then I'm now 44. So at 21 years, I'd had one home. In the last 23 years, I've had 16 different homes. Currently, I call Sunbury home. Okay, God has got me going through Sunbury. Okay, instead of going around it, and I'm very happy to be here. Where has He got you going through? When He gets to the city of Sychar, He feels tired. Jesus is tired, and He sits down by a well. Uh, challenge number three: If you are tired, sit down by the well and meet with Jesus. If you're feeling tired in any part of your life right now, I'm telling you to sit down. Your pastor is giving you advice. Sit down at the well and be with Jesus. Okay, that's challenge number three. It's the middle of the day. It's really hot. It's quite an unusual thing that someone would go out in the middle of the day in the, in the heat. Uh, Rachel, our uh, office manager and my PA, has just come back from Jerusalem. She said it was really weird because it's the middle of winter for them. So they're all kind of, you know, in their wintry type clothes. The babies are all wrapped up. And she, I said, well, how, you know, how cold was it? She said, well, it was 26 degrees. Um, but in the midday heat, it would have been very warm. It's quite an unusual thing for a woman to go out on her own. But there she is. Where are her friends? Uh, why is everyone deserted her? Why aren't there any other women with her, which would have been the normal thing to do? Uh, is this woman on the margins? Is she an outcast? Has she done something wrong? And obviously, as we heard in our reading, um, if in that culture, maybe not so today, but if in that culture you'd had a number of husbands, um, it would have been frowned upon, let's put it that way. Uh, she would have been the person that everyone was gossiping about, laughing at and scorning. But over and over again, we see Jesus, we see him in the Bible uh, meeting with those types of people, the outcast, the marginalised. So challenge number, what are we up to? Four. If that's what Jesus was doing, thank you. If that's what Jesus was doing, how are you doing with that? Where in your week have you spent some time with some people who are unloved, uncared for, unwanted? who are on the margins of society. If that's the person that you're following and that's what he did, and he is our example, how are you doing with that? Challenge number four. And what does he do when he finds these people? He offers them new life. He offers them transformation. He offers them his love and his power. And for the woman at the well, this is a divine appointment. Uh, she didn't know this was going to happen. Maybe you're here today. Perhaps you just walked in off the street. Maybe this is your divine appointment. So, to begin with, unlike every other woman in here, this woman has a bit of an attitude problem. 
mostly men laughing at that one, yes. But Jesus is very gentle with her, right? He, he asks her for a favour. He says, you know, can you get me a drink? Can you help me? I'm thirsty. And she said, why do you, a Jewish man, ask for something to drink from me, a Samaritan woman? She knows that this is a bit weird, very weird. And then he does something even more remarkable. He suggests actually that she should be asking him for a drink. And he says he could give her living water. And this kind of freaks her out. She goes a bit nuts, really. Because she doesn't really understand the living water thing because she's sat at a well, which is where she's collected water from for years. And all that's in the well is fairly still, stagnant water. And he's offering her living water. And she's like, well, where on earth are you going to get this living water from? And the living water he's kind of talking about, of course, isn't the water, the physical water that we're thinking and that she's thinking about. Of course it isn't. So he offers it to her. And she says, where are you going to get this living water? And where's he going to get the living water from? Where are you going to get living water from? Here's your next challenge. Where are you going to get living water? Where are you going to go? Whose well are you going to drink from? So we know, those of us that have been in the game a little while, will know that he's not actually talking about the physical H2O stuff. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about God, the Holy Spirit, being available. And she doesn't understand what he's talking about or who he is but she says sir give me this water she is desperate for living water challenge number six it maybe is are you desperate for living water are you desperate for living water maybe that's what brought you here tonight perhaps this week has gone uh, pants maybe it's been a shocker in your week uh, maybe it's been a shocker over the last month, the last year, the rest of your life. And you are desperate for living water. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, God will give you this living water if you ask him. There is no one that is beyond the reach of God. And for someone here today, I believe that that is your divine appointment. Uh, if you're that person please do come to me after the service. I would love to pray with you. So this woman has been trying to find herself and her satisfaction in all sorts of things, mostly in relationships. So we've talked about five, maybe six men that she's been married to or had a relationship with. And that's got really messy. And the question for you, the next challenge for you, is what are you trying to find? What are you pouring into? You're trying to find to fill the hole that only God can fill. What's the thing that you are using at the moment in order to fill that void? What's the thing that you're using to try and make you happy? Yeah, is it uh, you're, you love spending money on clothes? I can't. I asked them this morning. I said, look, I said, you're getting to know me. I'm getting to know you. So I went around the congregation and said, can you tell me some of the things that I like? And fruit and nut came out. That was good. That was all right. And then someone said trainers. And I was like, oh, no. Well, actually, I do really like trainers. But, but I'm really conscious, actually, about fashion. Because when I was a young man, actually, I used to be... I used to have... Oh, I spent... Actually, I've still got the coat. I should wear it for you. You would love it. I look like a pimp. 
I've still got a coat like I spent an inordinate amount of money on because I used to spend, because that used to be like a god to me, it used to be an idol to me, fashion. And I used to spend stupid amounts of money trying to keep up with the latest fashion. But maybe you do that, maybe your thing is cars. Perhaps you've got three or four cars sat in, or maybe you've got the lovely little MG and it's your, your pride and joy. Um, perhaps you get out to your car and you are cleaning your car every Saturday morning. It is the number one thing in your life. Maybe it's food for you, perhaps it's gadgets, maybe it's drugs, perhaps it's the holidays, maybe it's with switching jobs. Uh, for me, it's definitely supporting QPR. I'm trying to make me happy by supporting QPR. is not working. 44 years of disappointment. What happens when you chase after and put all that stuff first and you hold them up as gods or idols is that they will leave you empty. You will always be wanting more. And uh, if that's you today, if you're looking for purpose, looking for meaning, looking for peace, looking for hope, looking for love, then Jesus is right here waiting for you at the well and he is offering you living water. And living water, when he talks about that, he's talking about salvation. He's talking about a rescue. If you don't know uh, that God has come to rescue you, Incredible that he would leave the throne of heaven to come and humble himself to become a man in order to take away all of our mess and all of our rubbish on the act of, of going to the cross. It's quite incredible trying to get your head around a God who would do that. If you don't know that God has done that for you, the most important thing you can do with your life today is to speak to me afterwards or to be prayed for with one of our prayer team. That will be salvation. Um, and if you've watched Terminator, maybe you've heard of that phrase, but God is, is offering to rescue you from wherever you are and to bring you to new life. Jesus initiates a relationship with a woman from an enemy race. And the Bible says that whilst we were still far off, God came to meet us in his son. So when we had separated ourselves from God and run off in the other direction, God came running to meet us in his son, Jesus Christ, and his arms are wide open for you if you will just turn back to him. This woman probably never met anyone, especially a man who just wanted to be with her for her. And he says, Jesus looks into her eyes and he, and he says, I know everything about you. And she says, this man knows everything about me. Everything that you've ever done, everything that you're ever going to do, everything that you're thinking right now, God knows it all. And that should bring you comfort. Because he loves her even though he knows everything about her that is wrong with her life. And he loves you, even though he knows everything about you that is wrong with your life. Okay, where are we? Okay, she, um, she wasn't just a woman who couldn't get her act together. God reaches in and says, I've got a higher purpose. I have a plan for your life. And the way that your life is going right now is not the perfect plan that I had for you. And he wants to show her this a perfect plan. He wants to give her this perfect plan. So she isn't worthless to Jesus. She could have walked away from him at that point. 
She could have turned her back on him and said, actually, no, I don't want this living water that you're offering me, but she didn't. And the same goes for you. So there's your challenge. Are you going to turn away from Jesus? Are you going to turn to him? And the most profound thing that I had as I was thinking about this passage is that um, you, you have never looked into the eyes of someone who, doesn't, who isn't loved by Jesus. That is quite incredible. Okay, so when you when next time you look around this room, and you look into someone's eyes, that person is loved by Jesus. When you go out of this door, and when you go home to whoever you go home to, that person is loved by Jesus. If you stop at the shop on the way home and you get served by the guy in one stop or whatever it is down there, that guy is loved by Jesus. If you get on a bus to go home, the driving the bus driver, he is loved. She is loved by Jesus. When you go to work tomorrow morning and you look at your colleague across the desk he she is loved by Jesus you've never met anyone you've never looked into the eyes of anyone who isn't loved by Jesus you've never looked into the eyes of anyone that Jesus didn't come for no one not one you've never looked into the eyes of anyone that Jesus didn't come for that Jesus didn't give up heaven and come to earth to rescue to offer salvation no one not one He has not forgotten them, and neither have we. So for those of you who accept Jesus, uh, and this, um, so some of you I think this evening need to hear about the void um, that Jesus is offering to fill for you, and some of you need to hear the next part, and that is that um, those of you that call yourself Christians, that you say that you have a relationship with Jesus, that the Holy Spirit has come and and set up residence. He's made his home in your heart and now he is uh, in the driving seat, if you like. Um, Jesus says, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be a spring within you, gushing fountains of endless life. John 14, 12, this will blow your mind. Jesus says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Whoa, whoa. Jesus says that we will do his work. Everyone who believes in him will do his work and will do even greater things than the things that he was doing. I just Sometimes I think the word greater just means more. It doesn't mean like... Uh, what, what greater thing could you do than actually bring someone back to life, right? I don't know. Um, but I think sometimes that means more. So don't go thinking that you're going to be greater than Jesus, all right? No one is going home from here thinking they are greater than Jesus. <laughs> the pastor did not say that. What he said was that if you are a follower of Jesus, then you will do what Jesus did. How are you doing with that? In a couple of months' time, we are... So one of the other parts of our mission plan, mission action plan, is to do healing on the streets. Right? Because I know, I can tell you for sure, this place will fill up with people when we take his power and his love out there onto that street. When we are praying for miracles and people are healed and we say that Jesus has healed you, people will give their lives to him because they will be met with the truth. So in a few months, we're going to be going out with a team of people. If you want to be part of that team, do let me know. But we're going to be going out there and we're going to be praying for people. We're going to be praying for healing and God is going to heal people. And this place is going to be full of testimony after testimony of God healing people through his love and his power. 
So like Jesus, sometimes we're called to go places we wouldn't normally go, do things we wouldn't normally do, and associate with people we wouldn't normally associate people with, uh, with people. So where is he calling you? Challenge number, we could be up to number nine by now. Where is he calling you to go this week? Who, which people group, which person, which neighbour, which member of your family is Jesus calling you to go to? The message for all of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus is that we have within us, flowing within us, gushing from us, a fountain of life. And just like Jesus did, when we meet people at the well, we need to offer them the living water. He will set up divine appointments for us. Okay, so when you bump into someone and you're like, I really don't have the time for meeting this person, it's probably God who's given you that appointment. Okay, take it seriously. You have a to-do list from on Monday. I have this whole list of things that I think I should be doing. And then I say to God, but, but I, I want to be directed by you. So if three or four people come and into my path, then I have to go, actually, I think this is part of God's plan. And the wonderful thing is I can actually say to that person, that I think we've met today because God wants to tell you something. And that you, he will set up divine appointments for you this week. You will have your to-do list. He has his to-do list. Follow his to-do list. It'll be much more fun. So that's challenge number 10. Follow his to-do list. And uh, when he sets up, like I say, when, one of the greatest things, and I know it's a bit easier for me because I'm the vicar and you know, it's my job to tell people about Jesus. Right? If I'm not doing that, I'm a pretty rubbish vicar, right? Uh, but he will offer you those chances this week to tell people about him. And uh, I, just, I just have this desire for people to know this Jesus that I have found and the difference that he has made to my life. And I wonder what you have found in Jesus. Whether you found a fountain of living water. And if you have challenge number 11, are you offering that living water to others? I came across this story. A young couple were on their honeymoon. They were driving through a small town when a deer ran in front of their car. The the man swerved and hit a telephone pole. He was all right, but his young wife was bleeding profusely. The man knew if he didn't go to a doctor right away, she would bleed to death. He looked down the street, saw a sign that said, Dr. Jones, internal medicine. He picked up his wife and ran down the street. He pounded on the door. Dr. Jones, Dr. Jones, an old man came to the door and said, yes, my wife is bleeding. She's dying. Please save her. Much to the young man's surprise, the old man said, I'm sorry, son, I can't help you. I stopped practicing medicine many years ago. I don't have any uh, medical supplies or equipment here anymore. Overcome with emotion, the young man said, Dr. Jones, if you can no longer help hurting people, then please take down the sign. If we're not going to really walk with Jesus, then we need to take down the sign of Christian. If we don't have enough love to offer others, then you need to go to the well. And you need to drink the living water because he wants to fill you. I was going to put it down there, but I realised it wasn't flat and that would have just made a mess. Lastly, um, lastly, what does she do when she recognises that Jesus is the Messiah? Does anyone know what she does? She 
tells she becomes a preacher. That's amazing. She does tell everyone else. But before she goes off to tell everyone else, she puts down her jar. Symbol of her old life. Which she says, I don't need that anymore. A jar would have been worth quite a bit of money. It would have been like access to water. It would have been a really important part of her life. But she is so overtaken with the mercy and the grace that she's received from Jesus. She puts it down. It's a symbol of her old life. And the last challenge is, I wonder, that because of, that you have met with Jesus, and I know many of you in here are followers of his, what are you willing to put down? All of her priorities changed. She turns from her old life. She becomes an amazing preacher, far greater than me. Many people in the town became believers because of her message because of the gospel that she preached what are you willing to leave behind as part of your transformation challenge number 12 probably and number 13 where we started will the story of Jesus and the way that he's radically transformed this woman's life make a difference in your life or tomorrow will it just be another day